Hi, I'm David Green from Canela. Today, we're going to talk about a complex and fascinating, but very important topic. The role of phospholipids and plant sterols in optimizing liver function and maintaining healthy cholesterol levels. To begin our journey, we'll start by discussing the functions of the liver and its importance for overall health. The liver is the second largest organ after the skin in the human body, and it probably has the most diverse metabolic activity. It's part of the digestive system and performs many vital functions. Many of these processes happen on membranes, either the plasma membrane or internal membranes of organelles, which are thought to add up to 33,000 square meters of the surface area, according to Kidd in 1996. This is one probable reason as to why supporting healthy membranes through the consumption of phospholipids may have such a protective effect for the liver. The blood supply of the liver is different from other organs. It receives oxygenated blood through the hepatic artery, but it also receives deoxygenized blood from the digestive tract through the hepatic portal vein, which is rich in absorbed nutrients and other potentially harmful substances which have been absorbed from the intestines. From the hepatic artery and portal vein, blood flows into sinusoids, which are endothelium-lined spaces rather than capillaries. From there, it goes into central veins and on to the hepatic vein toward the heart, which circulates it around the body. In the sinusoids, oxygen, nutrients, and other substances are absorbed into the hepatocytes, or liver cells, lining them while compounds manufactured in the liver and other nutrients are excreted into the blood. This hepatic circulation system is the main cause of the so-called first-pass effect of drugs, the concentration and bioavailability of which can be greatly reduced due to the liver metabolizing it post-absorption, according to Pond and Tozer in 1984. The sinusoids also contain Kupfer cells, which are part of the immune system. As specialized macrophages, they tidy up old white and red blood cells, bacteria, and other foreign compounds. One of the main digestive functions of the liver is in producing bile, which is needed for fat digestion. In an adult, the liver produces 800 to 1,000 milliliters of bile a day. It's a yellow, green, or brownish liquid, which consists of water, bile acids, bile salts, cholesterol, lecithin, bile pigments, and various ions. Bile is continuously produced by the liver and stored in the gallbladder. From there, it's excreted into the small intestine as a bolus when fat-containing food arrives. Bile is slightly alkaline, which helps neutralize stomach acid in the small intestine. The role of bile in the digestive process is to emulsify dietary fat, to increase the surface area and thus allow pancreatic lipases to break down triglycerides to make them ready for absorption. As fat-soluble vitamins A, E, K, and D are absorbed together with fats, bile also plays an important role in their absorption. The main bile pigment, which gives feces its normal brown color, is bilirubin, a breakdown product of old hemoglobin, which is excreted with bile. The liver is one of two main organs of detoxification. The other one is the intestinal mucosal wall. We are constantly exposed to toxins, exogenous ones, xenobiotics, as well as endogenous ones 
like byproducts of our natural metabolism or old hormones. It's estimated that in 2002 alone, more than 4 billion kilograms of toxins were released into the environment in the U.S. This unprecedented exposure to exogenous toxins puts an enormous strain on our livers, which work hard to get rid of them before they can play havoc in our bodies. Detoxification, or biotransformation processes, are catalyzed by enzymes such as cytochrome P450 enzymes, which are membrane-bound and usually located on the inner membrane of either mitochondria or the endoplasmic reticulum. Optimally functioning detoxification and elimination is crucial for our whole physiology. And because of this, supporting liver function is key to maintaining good health. The liver plays a role in carbohydrate metabolism and keeping blood glucose levels within a narrow, healthy range. It does so by releasing glucose from glycogen stores and gluconeogenesis when blood glucose is low, and converting glucose to glycogen and triglycerides for storage when blood glucose is high. It also converts other sugars, like fructose and galactose, to glucose. The liver is vital for protein metabolism, too. In the liver, amino acids have their amino group removed so that they can be either used for energy production or converted into fats or carbohydrates. This creates ammonia, which is converted into less toxic urea, which can be excreted through the kidneys. The liver also manufactures many blood proteins, including albumin, globulins, prothrombin, and fibrinogen. So, it plays an important role in blood clotting and the transportation of many compounds in the blood. Many processes of fat metabolism also take place in the liver, including the breakdown of fatty acids for energy production, storage of triglycerides, synthesis of cholesterol and lipoproteins, which transport fatty acids, triglycerides, and cholesterol to and from the cells in the body. The liver is also an important metabolizer and storehouse for many different kinds of nutrients. Many vitamins, including vitamin B12 and the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, not to mention minerals, including iron and copper, are stored in the liver. This is why the livers of the animals we eat are such nutrient-dense food sources. And alongside the skin and kidneys, the liver also plays an important role in the activation and metabolism of vitamin D. To further understand the role of phospholipids and plant sterols in our nutrition, we also need to discuss the structure and function of our cell membranes. Healthy membranes are vital for the functioning of cells and for any tissue and organ in our bodies. Cell membranes carry out many cellular functions, including barrier function, transport, cell signaling and communication, secretion, and recognition. Looking at all these functions carried out by the cell membranes, it becomes clear that the membrane, rather than the nucleus, is the brain of the cell, or the membrane, as Bruce Lipton calls it. It is, therefore, no surprise that supporting healthy membranes through nutrition can have a very wide range of benefits, from liver and cardiovascular function to anti-aging and energy metabolism. So, let's look at the structure and function of the membranes in more detail to better understand their vital importance for our health and well-being. To begin our exploration of cell membrane structure, we'll start with the lipid bilayer. The plasma membrane forms the barrier between the inside and outside of the cell, 
separating the cytoplasm from the extracellular space. Membranes also form various intracellular organelles, including the mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of the cell, the endoplasmic reticulum, or ER, the factories where proteins, fats, including phospholipids, steroids, and many other compounds are synthesized. This is continuous with the nuclear envelope, which is also membrane-based. In liver cells, this is also where many of the detoxification pathways are. The Golgi apparatus, the logistics center, where proteins and other molecules are received from the ER, modified, and transported to their destinations. Lysosomes, the rubbish collection service, with reservoirs of hydrolytic enzymes, which are important in autophagy, which is the destruction of the dysfunctional or unnecessary cell components. The fluid mosaic membrane model, or FMMM, proposed by Singer and Nicholson in 1972, is still the accepted model for cell membranes and explains many of their features and functions. The structure of such membranes is based on two back-to-back -back layers of phospholipids, into which other lipids, like cholesterol and glycolipids and proteins, are embedded. A typical plasma membrane is made of approximately 50% lipids and 50% proteins. Phospholipids are amphipathic, that is, they have a polar, hydrophilic, or water-loving head, and a nonpolar, hydrophobic, or water-fearing tail. The head is made up of a phosphate group to which another molecule, such as choline in phosphatidylcholine, is attached. This head is attached to a glycerol backbone, which is also ester-linked to two fatty acids, forming the nonpolar part. In a like-seeks-like fashion, the nonpolar lipid tails orient themselves spontaneously towards each other, while the polar heads point to the outside, forming a lipid bilayer. Phospholipids account for about 75% of membrane lipids. Other lipids include cholesterol, sphingolipids, and glycolipids. The length and degree of saturation of the fatty acid tails within the lipid bilayer is crucial for the fluidity of the membrane. The double bonds of unsaturated fatty acids induce structural kinks, which result in a higher fluidity of the membrane, whereas saturated fatty acids which appear as straight tails, can be packed more tightly, leading to a more rigid membrane. The fatty acid composition of membranes is important for their functions and varies between different types of membranes. For example, plasma membranes tend to have a higher proportion of cholesterol than the membranes of organelles. Membranes are also characterized by an asymmetrical distribution of both lipids and proteins. For example, phosphatidylcholine, a phospholipid with choline attached to the phosphate group tends to be more common on the outside of plasma membranes than on the inside. Phosphatidylcholine is the most abundant phospholipid in eukaryotic cell membranes, accounting for more than half of all phospholipids. Other important phospholipids are phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylinositol, phosphatidylethanolamine, and phosphatidylglycerol. The phospholipid composition of the membrane affects the curvature of the bilayer, and with that, its structure and function. It was initially thought that all cell membrane compounds can freely move laterally. This aspect of the FMMM was later revised to a model whereby the lipid bilayer contains domains with low lateral mobility.
These domains contain fluid and structured lipids and integral proteins which extend into or through the bilayer, peripheral proteins, and membrane-associated protein complexes which sit on the top of the bilayer and form a cytoskeleton and an extracellular matrix. The formation of these domains allows for specialized functions of particular regions within the membrane. Another part of the cell membrane, the membrane proteins, carry out many functions which depend on a healthy and balanced lipid bilayer structure. As I mentioned, the types of lipids vary from one membrane to another, and the proteins found on different cells or organelles vary even more widely, depending on the cell's function. The most common membrane proteins include receptors. These bind to specific molecules, called ligands, which affect a particular cellular function. For example, when hormones bind to their specific receptor, this leads to conformational changes of the receptor protein. This, in turn, triggers a reaction on the inside of the cell, which can lead to the activation or inactivation of particular genes being expressed, or trigger other reactions. As this process directs the destiny and function of the cell, the correct conformation and distribution of receptor proteins are crucial for correct cell function. And while our chromosomes contain the genes that code for our phenotype, i.e., the proteins that make up our bodies, it is such signals that determine which genes are being expressed and when. The exciting field of epigenetics looks into these interactions between our environment, both internal and external, and our genes. Channels and transporters. While the lipid bilayer acts as a barrier, Exchange between the inside and outside of the cell or an organelle is, of course, essential. For example, to let nutrients in and let waste matter out. This exchange happens through channel and transporter proteins. Channels are pores, which are usually selective for particular substances, such as sodium or potassium ions, and can be opened or closed through either the binding of a ligand or a change in the transmembrane voltage. Ion channels are essential for transmembrane potentials, which regulate many other processes. Transporters, on the other hand, bind to a substance on one side of the membrane and through a conformational change transport it to the other side where it can be released. Cell membranes are permeable to water, and ion channels and transporters are involved in cell hydration, which appears to play an important role in regulating cell function. Other membrane proteins include enzymes and cell identity markers, which, for example, help cell-cell recognition, as well as recognition and distinction between self and foreign cells. And of course, the mitochondria are a vital part of cells that we're concerned a lot about. Mitochondrial dysfunction has been recognized as an important cause of ill health and is implicated in aging and many chronic conditions, including cancer, metabolic diseases like diabetes, inflammatory conditions, and neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. This should come as no surprise. Being the powerhouses of the cell, they produce cellular energy, without which no cell can function. Mitochondria are complex membrane structures. The outer lipid layer is smooth, while the inner layer is highly folded to increase surface area. This is where aerobic cellular energy production through the electron transport chain takes place. This produces ATP, or adenosine triphosphate, the energy currency of the cell. More than 80% of cellular energy is produced here.
The inner cavity, or matrix, of the mitochondria contains mitochondria ribosomes, which synthesize proteins, RNA, and DNA, as well as large numbers of enzymes, including some for the production of proteins and lipids. Apart from energy production, mitochondria also play a crucial role in other cellular functions, including modulation of calcium signaling, maintenance of cellular redox balance, innate immune signaling, and regulation of apoptosis, or programmed cell death. Apoptosis is an important process in an organism's life cycle and can be triggered by internal stress signals or external signals from other cells. Dysregulation of apoptosis can lead to serious disease. For example, too little cell death can lead to the proliferation seen in cancer, whereas increased apoptosis can cause tissue damage and is implicated in neurodegenerative disease. Now, let's discuss cholesterol. Cholesterol is a lipid molecule which is essential for all animals and can be synthesized by all animal cells. Humans produce about one gram of cholesterol a day, and about 80% of it is manufactured in the liver. We can also get small amounts of cholesterol from our food. Cholesterol is broken down to bile acids in the liver and excreted with bile, which we need for fat digestion. About 95% of excreted bile acids are reabsorbed via the enterohepatic circulation and reused. As we have seen in cell membranes, cholesterol is an essential component of cell membranes in animals and affects membrane fluidity as well as function, such as cell signaling, intracellular transport, and nerve conduction. Cholesterol is also the precursor for vitamin D and steroid hormones, including cortisol, aldosterone, and sex hormones. High cholesterol levels are considered to be a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, especially when in combination with other risk factors such as smoking, hypertension, lack of exercise, and other abnormal blood markers as seen in metabolic syndrome. Conventional medicine has therefore focused on lowering blood cholesterol levels. And while there is an upper normal limit, there is no normal lower limit set. Too little cholesterol, however, has been associated with depression and suicide, cancer, and hemorrhagic stroke. On the cellular membrane level, in terms of membrane fluidity and function, as well as on the epidemiological level, it's all in the balance. Neither too much nor too little cholesterol is conducive to good health. Medications to reduce cholesterol levels, such as statins, work by suppressing cholesterol synthesis in the liver. Unfortunately, that also affects synthesis of coenzyme Q10, also called ubiquinone, a crucial antioxidant, in particular for cell membranes, which is clearly not desirable. Statins can also have potentially serious side effects, including peripheral neuropathy, hepatitis, pancreatitis, memory loss, muscle inflammation, elevation of blood glucose levels, and increased risk for diabetes. Lifestyle interventions for elevated cholesterol include diet, including increasing fiber and omega-3 essential fats from oily fish, exercise and smoking cessation, which of course offers many other benefits too. Administration of plant sterols has also been shown to help reduce elevated cholesterol levels. And this is a great segue into our discussion of plant sterols. Plant sterols, also called phytosterols, have a similar structure to cholesterol and serve a similar function in plant cells. There are over 200 types of phytosterols and related compounds like stanols, 
with beta-cytosterol being one of the most abundant ones. A typical Western diet delivers about 200 to 300 milligrams of sterols per day, but this can be up to 700 milligrams per day in specifically designed vegetarian diets. So, let's talk about plant sterols and LDL cholesterol. Intakes of 1 to 3 grams of phytosterols per day have repeatedly been shown to lower cholesterol levels, or more specifically, LDL, or bad cholesterol. It is thought that they do so by blocking cholesterol absorption. As such intake levels of phytosterols are unlikely to be achieved by diet alone, and with the emphasis that has been put onto lowering cholesterol in public health, phytosterols have become a popular functional food ingredient. Unfortunately, many of these functional foods, like margarines and yogurt drinks, also contain many ingredients that, from a naturopathic nutrition perspective, we want to avoid, like highly processed vegetable oils, sugars, and fillers. Plant sterile dietary supplements without any artificial ingredients offer a valuable alternative. Apart from their benefits on cholesterol levels, phytosterols have also shown benefits in other areas of health, including prostate health. A number of clinical trials showed clinical improvements in benign prostate hyperplasia, or BPH, with administration of beta-cystosterol. The mechanism for the efficacy of beta-cystosterol is unknown, but may be due to its effect on either cholesterol metabolism or anti-inflammatory effects via prostaglandin metabolism. Phytosterols are thought to offer many other possible health benefits as well, including anti-inflammatory and immune modulatory effects. But more research is needed to establish how and to what extent plant sterols modulate inflammatory and other immune processes. Preclinical studies have also shown that phytosterols may possess anti-cancer properties by inhibiting growth and inducing apoptosis in tumor cells. We know, of course, that diets high in vegetables and other plant foods, which would contain phytosterols, appear to have a cancer-protective effect. But more research is needed to confirm these initially observed benefits of plant sterols. To learn more about phospholipids, plant sterols, their impact on health and liver function, and how you can incorporate more of them into your diet and health regimen, please contact Canella at 0044-333-703-256 or email them at info at canellaholdings.com. Once again, I'm David Green from Canella. Please check out our in-depth blogs and webinars at www.canellaholdings.com. And thanks for listening to our podcast. We'll be producing more podcasts shortly with more great in-depth information about naturopathic approaches and products that can help treat many vital health concerns.